This guy is a great big phony. If a body meets a body coming through the right. Okay. If a body kiss a body need a body cry. Okay, 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 okay. All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the OK Gatsby season two. Kev, how do you feel? Oh, I feel so good, Terrence. We're uh, we uh, had a I had a lovely time doing season one with the Great Gatsby. Me too. And so now, such a good time that we moved in together and we live in New York City now. Yeah, we had such a good time with right reading about New York society. We were like, why don't we get involved with New York society? <laughs> yeah. We live in East Egg now, and yeah. uh, we're trying to figure figure things out. Uh, yeah. We moved across the, the bay from a girl, and we've been staring at her dock. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah. Anywho, we, well, this this season, this is a new season. See, podcasts have seasons. This is a new season, season two. Welcome to season two. Season two. two. We're we, reading The Catcher in the Rye. That's right. And I'm Terrence Hartnett, and this is... this. My name's Kevin Lopkovich. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, have... This is the OK Gatsby Subcolon the catcher in the Y. I'm sorry. Sub is it subcolon? Can I stop no. you right there. <laughs> I stop you right there at subcolon. Subcolon. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's what is it called? Semicolon. Subtitle. Subtitle. Semicolons. Subcolon. The catcher in the in the Y. In the Y. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, it's like why and why why, yeah, catcher in the Y. What? And I thought like maybe like catcher in the Y. Do I feel like murdering right. a famous person? <laughs> How come after I read this book, do I feel like murdering a famous person? Yeah, I mean, it's or, so compelling that it was used as evidence. <laughs> yeah. It was Mark David Chapman's statement. They were like, why did you do this? And he just like handed in the catcher <laughs> in the run. He's like, conveniently enough, it's already been written down by one J.D. Salinger. Yeah, he sat down right after shooting him and just like read the book waiting for the cops to get him. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll be tracking uh, that. Like, yeah. You know, like, how do you feel? Terrence, how do you feel? Do you feel like murdering John Lennon? He's already dead. Well, Paul McCartney's still alive. So I don't know. Yeah, so I, I looked it up, and he actually read a passage in court out loud where they were like, hey, you really have to say something. You killed one of the most influential m- musicians ever. Like, Yeah, we should give you a platform. Yeah, that's what we should do. All right, let's see what it was. He, so he stood up in court and read this passage from the book. Anyway, I keep picturing all these little kids playing some game in this big field of rye and all. Thousands of little kids, and nobody's around. Nobody big, I mean. Except me, and I'm standing on the edge of some crazy cliff. What have I? What I have to do? I have to catch everybody if they start to go over the cliff. I mean, if they're running and they don't look where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. That's all I do all day. I'd just be the catcher in the rye and all. I know it's crazy, but that's the only thing I'd really like to be. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. So the theory is that he saw himself as protecting John Lennon's innocence. Okay. Well, he was like, I have to murder John Lennon because he's heading down the wrong path of selling out, and I have to protect his innocence. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is honestly a good career move because he was <laughs> about to sell out. <laughs> I guess he was about to sell out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I l- heard an interview with Sir Paul yesterday, and it seems like he's doing fine. I mean, like, yeah, he's still, I mean, he's still a beetle. He's still fine. Yeah. You know, he's putting out mediocre um, <laughs> new albums. Yeah, oh, he just, he, I want to fire you. <laughs> oh my god, he's a song of a new album where he says, yeah, I'd really like to fire you. And it's like, what? What are we doing here, Paul? Yeah, There's been four murders that okay. I saw on Wikipedia about this book. 
Uh, one, a 21-year-old model and actress was murdered by just a stalker, uh, and he was holding this book when he did it. He uh, And actually, it created uh, anti-stalking laws. So in a way, this hey. book <laughs> helped create anti-stalking laws. All right. Uh, and then John Hingley Jr., the guy who shot Reagan, had this is one of the six books he owned. <laughs> wow. Okay, one of the six books he owned. Yeah. And the other one's just five Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other ones were just shooting manuals. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Not obviously good enough shooting manuals because Reagan survived. Yeah, come on, buddy. You missed. But yeah, so... We wanted to address the murders. <laughs> what, 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 wasn't there one? What's the Jodie Foster one? Or the, the Higley. Hinkley. Hinkley. Was to impress Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, which is, hey, we all want to impress Jodie Foster. It's not the way to go about it, right? I mean, it's weird to think, like, if Hinkley was around today, he probably would just been one of those guys that comments on every one of Jodie Foster's Instagram posts. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, You're there's so beautiful. Come to Brazil. <laughs> and there's a way. You know, there's a way to do, to do these things now, Higley. Yeah, you don't have to murder the president. Yeah. Or maybe we just don't have the gumption to do it anymore. Oh, man. I mean, like, what have I done to impress a girl? I mean, stand-up comedy for eight years, but... Boo! (laughs) I I have never attempted to murder an important political figure. Boo! All right, Kev, what's your your, uh, history with Catcher in the Rye? When did you first read it? So I first read it when I was 12, and I did not get it. Uh, I was like, this is a weird... I don't care. The the plot is, like, not clear. (laughs) It's not a plot book, really. Uh, and at 12, that's what I was looking for because I liked Harry Potter. And I was like, maybe this will be like Harry Potter. Wow. It's not like Harry Potter. <laughs> um, then I didn't really read it again until junior year of high school. And then I read it a lot junior year. I read it like nine times my what? junior year of high school. What? Yeah, I, I should have been on a list or something. You didn't <laughs> tell me this. You did not tell me this. This is coming I, out live. I got, we, got, we took a speed reading class. And that was the book. It's pretty easy to read. Like, the the words are big. Like, it's not that tense of a okay. book. And so I would just, every study hall, I'd read as, as fast as I could just to, like, prove to myself. How, how do you how do you prove that you are reading instead of just flipping the pages? Uh, you already know the story, and they can test you on the story, I guess. But Yeah, so the... Th- the theory, the theory of speed reading is that you look at a whole instead of going word by word and saying the word aloud in your head, you look at a, like a whole couple lines and say the all the lines as fast as you can in your head. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, so that it's it was just like a weird skill that I used all the way up until my freshman year of college, and then I was like, I'm gonna slow it down because this is <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, kids would know. They'd come up and be like, "I heard you read Catcher in the Rye nine times." <laughs> oh my god! Wow. And, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, it is." Oh boy. And I really, I liked it in the sense of like, I mean, I was really into. I was an emo kid, so it was like, "Oh yeah, a kid who thinks things are phony and yeah. bad." Yeah, yeah, yeah. All uh, of the grownups are phonies. And then freshman year of college, I had a girlfriend who got a big Catcher in the Rye tattoo. Whoa. Right when we started dating. Cool. Uh, yeah, it was very cool. How old was she? She was 18. I was 18. It was in Chicago. Uh, the relationship didn't end well. What was, the, what, was the, <laughs> what was the, enough of that? What was the, uh, what was the tattoo of? It was uh, a bunch, like a big, long pieces of rye, and then <laughs> a, a banner that said, if a body, catch a body, and then some other colors. Right, right, stuff. right. Coming through the, yeah, that thing. Okay. 
It's uh, about rye. Yeah. It's a book about rye. It's a book right? about rye. That's the whole point. It's about right? grains, different kinds of grains, and which ones are best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yeah. Is, uh, what this book is. Yum. Uh, and then every once in a while, I read when I get when I go through sad times, I like to read it because it's kind of. It's a good way to have a vicarious mental breakdown. It's just to read about. You stuff. are. That's the thing that I remember th- th- about this book is that like you are in his head. Yeah. You are. You are. Se- it's like it's a. Per- it's perfectly portrayed, teen head. Yeah, the the psyche of a teen, a 1950s New York teen. But there's something universal about oh, that too. It's very universal. That's the problem. Yeah, it's so. Talk to Reagan about that. Talk to John <laughs> Lennon. <laughs> How universal this feeling is that like they have to be murdered. Yeah, it's it's such a good way to be like you're like you know what I feel like having a little throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum things are going bad but it's like if i just read this it's like well at least i'm not drunk running through central park yeah <laughs> losing all my money yeah like haven't eaten in three days kind of thing so yeah it's a real fun book for when you're down and you want to just like be like well at least i'm not having as hard of a time as this kid <laughs> yeah yeah, I love it. I think, like to me, it's like the it's like the quintessential like uh, like flipping flipping the bird at the teacher. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> like or like or like who cares what the teacher the te- who cares about the teacher? The teacher teacher's just a guy. Like who, who yeah. you don't have to respect him. He's just some dude. You know? Like I love that mentality. Like that gets you through high school. You know I mean like when you realize like oh my god, I'm I'm a, I'm just a guy. You're a guy. Mm-hmm. You're making me do this work. I don't want to do it. I'm not gonna. Yeah. No, it is an interesting thing where he is like sees all the teachers in their personal life. Like he, he go like the beginning. He goes to his history teacher's house and yeah. like has been there a lot. Well, yeah, behind the curtain, yeah, and he doesn't even like like that teacher that much. He's just like sees these teachers live their lives. Yeah, and he evaluates them like not he. They are not on the pedestal. We'll get to that. They're not on the pedestal at all. He sees them for what they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I really like this book. I get the criticism that it's immature. Um, what? It's like. And I think that's like a, a bad reading uh, where it's, yeah, you're not supposed to look at Holden and be like, this is my hero. The criticism is that, sorry, the criticism is that it's written as, it's written immaturely. Or like that, like, yeah, but not by like this, like literary people, but like the average person, like what a whiny book about a guy who's, yeah, okay. and where it's like, Phonies. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's not <clears throat> the point. Like the point is to watch a teenager deal with grief and disillusionment and like if it was like a 30 year old man going through that you'd be like what a sophisticated exactly piece of yeah, i think it's yeah i think it's very sophisticated it's very like representative of like uh it feels very human it feel it feels very uh verisimilitudinous in the way that like these people these guys think these like someone thinks like it brings me back like to like the leaps that he that he makes in logic and like the way like he goes from this to that uh, it's like uh, it's he's like embodying Salinger is like embodying a teen like yeah uh, you are like in the head of this of this character it's like because of the narration mm-hmm. the narration is crazy so that's like like going it, back to Gatsby it's like another another um what's the word narrator unreliable unreliable narrator, narrator. thank yeah. you yeah he's like you're like well th- there's one story going on which is the story that he's telling you and there's another story that's going on which is the story that we're perceiving by way of understanding who Holden is and how he's telling the story. And so you get that like a dual perception of the events that are going on. You get your perception and Holden's perception. Yeah. And I, I think it was one of the most successful detailings of a spiritual crisis 
And it's the most interesting one. Because like a, an adult spiritual crisis is very boring. You either like cheat on your wife or you start a new religion or something <laughs> like that. But like a teen, this one, he's just going around New York getting drunk and, and stuff like that where it's like, and he's, he's so honest and so, like he's wrong so much, but like he's allowed to be wrong because he's 16. He yeah. just takes, he's just like machine gun shooting at everything around him. and like Oh boy. And it's so fun <laughs> to watch that rather than like an adult be bored with his job and be like, well, what's, uh, what's the rest of my life going to be. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's hop in. So like we're going to do so we're going to do two chapters a, a week uh and there's 26 chapters. We're going to do 13 episodes this season. Uh which I think uh, we'll see we'll see how the pacing goes. I think I think I like it. I mean, there's a lot to a lot to get into in every, you know, in every page basically. Yeah. So. It is it's I this book is a metaphor machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I what I really like is right away it's a very like it's very fu- this book's also very funny. Very, Holden I Caulfield like, is yeah. a very funny character. Yeah. Like he starts off a novel. <laughs> it's he's writing an, essentially I think he's writing a long letter to his therapist or like or something like that. He's in a mental institution when he when Are you he, serious? Yeah, that's why he's like my brother visits all the time. This is crazy. So he's in a mental well, He institu- has a breakdown, yeah. Yeah, his he, that's where he's like, "Hey, I'm in this weird place right outside Hollywood." But this realize this is like the like Gatsby was also written from that point of view. Like that's insane. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, uh, they're definitely connected. Fitzgerald was like uh, Salinger's idol, uh, and there's even like I think we talked about during the uh, OK Gatsby with uh, there's a part where Holden is scratching out like obscenities at the museum, and there's that part in the end of Gatsby when he had the all the kids had written like shit and fuck on on the walls of the mansion, yeah, yeah, and he was like scraping it off. Uh, but yeah, Gosh. so it starts off with if you really want to hear about it. The first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my child, lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of crap. <laughs> but I don't feel like going into it. So he's like reluctantly, this protagonist of a novel is like, look, if you Fine. really want to know. <laughs> all right, here we go. If, all right, if buddy. You absolute, I'm not going to tell you all that bullshit you don't care about, of like what my birthday was and what's hospital. Yeah. It's, it's such a like already starting out a, a novel confrontational. It's like <laughs> yeah, first of hey, all, like, right? Hey, fuck you for wanting to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then so right, we're getting so we're already getting that uh, Holden is going to be like a narrator who's a character. You know what I mean? Like it's like you know like he's gonna you're gonna get his character through the narration, so yeah. it's not gonna be like a straightforward thing. Also, David Copperfield, he's placing himself in the literary canon. He's like, it's not going to be like other novels, okay? Yeah, this is not other. Uh, yeah, this is not Charles Dickens. Also, it's meta. Like you're reading a novel. This is a novel that I wrote, or like this yeah. is a thing that I've written. It's yeah. pretty punk. It's like you know what? Let's yeah. go against the literary tradition. I'm just going to tell it to you straight what you absolutely need to know. Yeah. Um, but then there's also my parents would have about two hemorrhages apiece if I told anything pretty personal about them. So I think that's important to track. Is the parents in this because the right the only thing we get out of them is that they're very very private yeah which it conflicts with like he's so not private that he wrote 300 words about his own mental breakdown yeah he seems to be a little bit self-interested yes uh and what i like is like they're quite touchy about anything like that especially my father they're nice and all i'm not saying (laughs) that like he always like clearly like look they're they're great people i he does this for almost everyone he's like but I have these specific problems. With yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, so he came out to this mental institution around last Christmas just before I got pretty run down and had to come out here and take it easy. Run down. Yeah. Taking it easy. These are these are these are allusions to a, a breakdown that we'll sort of see unravel throughout the novel. Yeah. So he has his, page his like lost weekend. Yeah. Uh, so his brother visits real quick. I mean, the brother is probably the most interesting of the people that don't don't really get any dialogue. His older brother, he wrote a terrific book of short stories, but now he's a, a screenwriter in Hollywood and who Holden calls a prostitute. <laughs> That's so funny. He's on the Hollywood. Being a prostitute. There's one thing I hate. It's the movies. Don't even mention them to me. Which is funny because like, he brought them up <laughs> and like yeah. who's going to tell him this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. But he's not impressed by because we, we talked about there, there's going to be some class stuff going on. His brother's gotten to this higher class because of this of movies. being a prostitute. So, it, it, but it's mean, also the his brother like Holden is very has very rich parents. So like the okay, brother. Yeah. So it's that weird conflict of like the brother could be a poor short story writer who lived with his lawyer parents, or right. he could go out to Hollywood and have a jaguar and a British girlfriend. So yeah, it's the relationship between like success and. Uh, like genuine pursuits is very interesting with yeah. him. Uh, genuine, yeah, obviously gen- genuineness, genuity, uh, authentic. Yeah, authenticity is going to be huge for Holden. Yeah, and for this book, he's trying to be a real one. Is basically what Holden's trying yeah. to do. Uh, this is a very so. This is a funny part about. It. So he's describing his his high school, uh, Pensy Prep, and this is such a funny burn on like all. All school advertisements. So, like, Pensy Prep is the school that's in Eggerstown, Pennsylvania. You probably heard about it. You've probably seen the ads anyway. They advertise in about a thousand magazines, always showing some hotshot guy in a horse jumping over a fence, <laughs> like as if all you ever did at Pensy was play polo all the time. Yeah. I never even once saw a horse anywhere near the place. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's every single like college brochure is right. like, tradition, pain, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> studies, focus. <laughs> Here's a successful looking guy. Right. And that I could 100% ever see every advertisement for like selling that sort of class level experience. Right. All of our colleges, the liberal arts colleges at the Ivy and the yeah. sweaters. <clears throat> and then underneath the guy in the horse's picture, it always says, since 1888, we have been molding boys into splendid, clear thinking young men strictly for the birds. <laughs> Which is just like, this is bullshit. They don't do any damn more molding at Pensy than they do at any other school. And I didn't know anybody there that was splendid and clear thinking at all. Maybe two guys, if that many. And they probably came to Pensy that way. They already <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's so funny. They already like, this is all, everything is, is full of it. So we, yeah. we're basically opening here on a, in a, on a football game. You know, like fade in to. Yeah, uh, a sad boy on a hill during a football game. Yeah. Uh, and games is something we want to track. Because anytime a game comes up, it's always very. It's such a very clear way to do winners and losers, because like right away that like the game with Saxon Hall was supposed to be a very big deal around Pensy. It was the last game of the year, and you were supposed to commit suicide or something if old Pensy didn't win. So like one that's funny, right? Because that's every college is like, oh, we're playing Michigan State. We <laughs> this is do or die. This is very important. Y'all, you all have to pretend as if it's very important for a brief amount yeah. of time. Yeah, so much so that you've got to commit suicide if they. But yeah. it's also You'd be very upset. Losing has like you don't know what you're supposed to do. It's like tragic to lose so games and losing is very I like, I like the game too yeah i guess games are artificial they're like they're set up and we all know that they're they're not they're not actually uh of import you know what i mean or like, how life actually works of like these clear-cut rules right we're gonna get life being game later right and he's standing standing next to a revolutionary war cannon right 
Yeah, so he's so. on a hill standing next to a Revolutionary War cannon. So it's a very majestic image that he's presenting of himself subtly of like, hey, think of me as part of the long line of American rebels. He's definitely a rebel. Yeah, he's standing apart from the, the crowd, yeah. watching them you know, enjoy themselves. He doesn't get it at all. Yeah. He's by the Revolutionary War cannon. He's just a, yeah, he's a lone, lone wolf rebel. This, and then he's also very funny about uh, girls throughout. It's never too deep, but there's like there were never any many girls at all at the football games. Only seniors were allowed to bring girls with them. It was a terrible school, no terrible matter school. how he looked at it. <laughs> Just that last, it's like you know what? Not even girls could save this school. <laughs> um, I like to be somewhere at least where you can see a few girls around once in a while, even if they're only scratching their arms or blowing their noses or even just giggling or something. Old Selma Thurmer, she was the headmaster's daughter, showed up at the games quite often, but she wasn't exactly the type that drove you mad with desire, <laughs> which is rude. <laughs> but then he he backs up. He goes, she was a pretty nice girl, though. I sat next to her once in the bus from Agristown, and we sort of struck up, struck up a conversation. I liked her. She had a big nose, and her nails were all bitten down and bleedy looking, and she had on those damn falsies that pulling all over the place. So he just listed three things wrong with her. Yep, yep. But I liked her. But you felt sort of sorry for her. What I liked about her, she didn't give you a lot of those of horse manure about what a great guy her father was. She probably knew what a phony slob he was. Right. So the idea being that, like, the most important thing in somebody is authenticity, right? So yes. she knows she knows a phony when she sees one. And, and uh, Yeah. And it was a direct contrast between her outer <coughs> lack of attractiveness and her inner, like, value of, like, this is a genuine person who can see through even her own father's games. Right. He see the kindred soul of someone who, like, gets it. Yeah, but she also had terrible fingernails and <laughs> yeah, she, and fal- falsy. How funny is that? Falsy. That's eyelashes, probably right. They're pointing all over the place. I figure they're okay. Yeah, it's either pointing. that or the the falsies. Oh, the were teeth. Also, no, no. Uh, they used to put like fake boobs in teenage. No, girls. no, no. Yeah, no. I think she so. Had, but like that doesn't work in context. She had those damn falsies that point all over the place. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, she had an outer appearance problem but an inner genuineness yeah yeah we and we're i mean like yeah obviously yeah genuine versus phony and then we're going to be discussing constantly and we should i want to get a little bit deeper than the classic like well you're you're advertising to me so you're being a phony i mean like artifice you know like is something that holden also uses. i mean we'll talk about that holden also uses artifice himself um whether uh he's aware of it or not like he he's he understands artifice and where it's got a place we'll we'll talk about that so yeah, he. So we find out that he is the manager of the fencing team, which is very weird. Uh, but they went into New York, and he left all the fencing tools, fencing swords on the on the subway. Foils and equipment. Foils and equipment, and so they had to go home, having <laughs> forfeited the match. So they just lost a game again. Right, his last thing he did at Pensy was lose a game. For oh everyone. yeah, yeah. But two, it's. Is this a little stretch, but like I like to take a swipe at every possible metaphor. Hit me. Uh, New York, the daily, like how New York is set up, cost him, like he lost his weapons to for conflict in New York. Okay. He so he sword. lost his swords. Like yep. positioned himself as sort of like a knight going on an adventure, and look at this. He just lost all he's his He's disarmed. Sword. He's disarmed. Sure. So he's very vulnerable. He literally doesn't have his weapons anymore. I like this part. The whole team ostracized me the whole way back on the train. It was pretty funny in a way. <laughs> I'm like, what way? I mean, like, I mean, like, I, I like, the, really, what we're seeing here is that, like, I mean, like, 
it's not actually funny. This is like like it's interesting that Holden thinks it's funny. I think he thinks it's funny because he wants to diminish it as an import. Yeah, you know not I mean? like, like a small tragedy. He's yeah. like, he exiled from his friends. He feels apart. Yeah, he feels separate from. I mean, like feeling separate. I mean, he's such such a loner. Like every time he talks to somebody, he talks about how he doesn't relate to them. You know what I mean? Like or like how he feels apart from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he blows it off like it's funny, but it's like obviously it's something that's really bothering him yeah. constantly. Yeah, because he brought it up. Like, literally everything in this book is there for a reason. Thank you. So, like, he brought up this incident just to be like... And that's how they started the book. The premise is like, hey, I just got back from losing all the equipment, and everyone was mad at me, and yeah. now I'm saying goodbye. <laughs> now I'm saying goodbye, and now I'm leaving. Yeah, he's just a part of, every, like, you know, from everything. So, yeah, they're kicking him out. Uh, he has to go see his history teacher because his history teacher wants to say goodbye because uh, Holden has failed at four out of five classes except for English, which is a true poet's gra- report card. <laughs> we all know that guy. He's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Holden would be a, a weed-smoking kid if he, if it wasn't the 50s. Sure. Um, and this is weird. A weird little twist. Where, like, they gave gu- the guys the acts quite frequently at Pensy. It has a very good academic rating, Pensy. It really does. So he's like... Look, they do work hard there. <laughs> so it's like a weird small compliment right at the oh, end. Oh, I'm I know, I think th- well, I think I think maybe is it is it maybe he's pointing out that like uh they have a good rating because they give everyone who fails they yeah, kick them out. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't conform, they yeah. kick out. Yeah. I mean, but I mean it goes I guess it goes both ways, but Yeah. Like But then here's the first thing I want to point out about anytime he's physically uncomfortable, it relates to some sort of emotional problem because it was anyway it was December and all and it was cold as a witch's teeth. Especially on top of that stupid hill, I only had on my reversible and no gloves or anything. Uh, so he is cold, like he's physically in cold, but he's also emotionally cold because he's literally on a hill away from every one of his friends that he went to school with. Oh yeah, and like the fencing, he's only there because he messed up with the fencing team. Ooh, yeah, um, he's separate. So yeah, and then here's a uh, Pensy was full of crooks. Quite a few guys, because he said he got his coat stolen. So Pensy was full of crooks. Quite a few guys came from those very wealthy families, but it was full of crooks anyway. The more expensive a school is, the more crooks it has. I'm not kidding. So it's class is a thing we want to track too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because he's a he's a rich kid. He's a whining rich kid, which I get is a, a criticism of the book. But he, what do you? Uh, who who are these people? I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like this book. Everyone has to read it, and any book you have to read in yep. high school, there's a bunch of people that are like, "What a dumb book about a guy who had problems." <laughs> but at least, I mean, at least criticize it for what it is. It's like, yeah, yeah. Do you wish it was a different? You wish the characters were different and different things happened. Mm-hmm. I get. Then read a different book. I mean, like, you know I mean, like, yeah. get a, like, come, come at it at its level. I mean, like, what, yeah. I wish this steak was uh, more like a hamburger. I wish it was all <laughs> chopped up and between two buns. Yeah, well, it's a steak, so. So uh, be quiet. But yeah. <laughs> so I think the relation. So money is brought up a lot in this book. Um, and the people who have money are thieves. Yes. So literally, it's it's pretty. That's pretty harsh criticism of like the the richer there are, the more immoral the the school yeah. is. Um. Let's see. Here. So he's going to see his teacher, right? That's he's been invited. Is that where we're at? Yeah, he's going to see. He's been invited by his history teacher to, to come like, say goodbye. talk. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, like, yeah, he's saying goodbye, but he seems to be, yeah. Um, he's going to head that way. What is lovely about the book is there's, like, genuine moments of, like, tenderness where he just is, like, vulnerable. And right, it's right here. So why, what I was really hanging around for, I was trying to feel some kind of goodbye. I mean, I've left schools in places I didn't even know I was leaving them. I hate that. 
I don't care if it's a sad goodbye or a bad goodbye, but when I leave a place, I like to know I'm leaving it. If you don't, you feel even worse. And then he remembers this, like, lovely thing about just throwing around a football with two guys he likes until the teacher's like, hey, you guys got to go inside. So, like, for whatever reason, that moment of, like, oh, there was a good moment I could remember. But why? Yeah, what is that? I, I, like, that's – this is – you know, there's times – and, you know, and I'm a very, very smart literary critic, but like, there's times where I go, I have no idea why this is included. Or, like, what is what is the significance of this? I mean, obviously it's significant, but why is the goodbye – so he has, a, he has a memory of a goodbye. It's a good memory of Pensy. He's tossing around a ball with friends until it gets dark, and a teacher has to make them – stop and that's the memory like all those parts are included you know so yeah i think part of it is like holden is too pays attention to too many details to never be able to say like some good things about anything because he has an eye for like oh there was this lovely moment and it's also very symptomatic of like when he was able to make a connection it was good i mean it it was even simple of like just throwing a football around even until it got dark and no one really said anything they just enjoyed that connection and the only thing that interrupted it was the school itself. Authority was authority, and um, yeah, this construct of the school. So when he's in a situation where there aren't necessarily authorities or rules or sort of expectations or even just like reality punted in, he's like, "I had a lovely time with these guys, and I remembered it right before I left." And like, so he has a sense of what is a good moment. I think that's. Also I know, but why? So the story, the story is not. I had. I. I liked this time. I threw the football. It was like we threw the football, until and then and all and then someone made us stop throwing the football and go to dinner. Like, why is that part of the story? Yeah, that too. Where it's like part of it. Like I don't get because like a lot of it stream seems stream of consciousness almost yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Because he always gonna never stays focused. But you'd never. I mean, you can't make the argument. You don't. You can't just say something is random. I mean, yeah, like of although. Course. No, he, it was not to put in there random, but I think maybe to say this character, like, has to think of a moment where he didn't, like, hate to say goodbye to that moment. He's not saying goodbye to the school. He didn't like the school. But yeah. He's like, all right, this is the moment that it was kind of nice. Yeah. And I want to say goodbye to that moment. I don't want to say goodbye to all these phonies. I want to say goodbye to this very specific moment. That it was only ended by the school itself. Right, right, right. It was, in, yeah, and like, and like, he, they were so enjoying it that they would have played, they would have kept playing because they yeah. wanted to keep going. They, so, yeah, okay. Uh, let's see here. So he goes to his teacher's house. Um, oh wait, a, he grew six and a half inches yes. in the last year. <laughs> grew six and a half inches. And that's just a softball of like, is it time for him to emotionally grow six and a half inches? Yeah, but also like, remember that year when you, yeah, remember your growth spurt year, like where you're like. I don't even know. Like my little brother grew six inches in, in a year or two, and like the way he walked was hilarious because like he yeah. hadn't he wasn't used. To, he's like a baby deer. Like he like yeah. wasn't used to the limbs, and it's so funny. Like so. Yeah, not used to his body. Literally, his body is unfamiliar to him. Yeah. He no longer feels at home in his own body. Exactly. Uh, but then he goes to the teacher's house. There's a real quick line, just like they didn't have too much dough. So he's like, they don't have a maid or anything. They don't have too much dough. So there's another class. Like, I'm five pages in. This is four separate class references maybe yeah. five yeah uh so he meets the teacher's wife uh yeah so he's like how's it going on and then that that ends the chapter now he's in uh the teacher's room an old man teacher very interesting and this comes up a couple times they each had their own room and all so 
holding comments on like the teacher and the wife have their own room. He's perceiving this, which is interesting to me, right? That he's able to like he's able he has a grasp on that they shouldn't as a married couple be in separate. I mean, I guess he's seventeen or whatever. So, but like the fact that he perceives it. It seems significant, right? Yeah, that he brought it up at all. Like, we don't yeah. have to know this. It's yeah. not relevant to the scene at all, but he has such an eye for these little details. Of Like, you'd have to, like, look and see another bedroom. You'd have to go, oh, these two married people don't sleep in the same bedroom yeah. anymore. So, yeah. Um, And this is, like, a, a kind of funny passage because he, like, really roasts. Uh, but he goes, like, they got a bang out of things, though, in a halfway because they're seven years old and a half s way of course and this is like he's wondering what the heck he's like Why you wonder what the heck he, yeah, you wonder what the heck they're living for <laughs> like they look they look so miserable from the outside he's trying to empathize and see like what is you know what's keeping this guy going yeah he says i know that sounds mean to say but i don't mean it mean i just mean that i used to think about old spencer quite a lot and we thought about him too much you wonder what the heck he was still living for yeah. <laughs> i mean he was all stooped over and he had very terrible posture and in class whenever we dropped a piece of chalk at the blackboard some guy in the first row always had to get up and pick it up and hand it to him. That's awful in my opinion. But if you thought about him just enough and not too much, you could figure out that he wasn't doing too bad for himself. For instance, one Sunday when some other guys and I were over there for hot chocolate, he showed us this old beat-up Navajo blanket that he and Mrs. Spencer bought off some Indian in Yellowstone Park. You could tell old Spencer got a bang out of it buying it. That's what I mean. You take somebody old as hell like old Spencer, and they can get a bang out of buying a blanket. It's so roasty. It's so like this dude. <laughs> this dude. <laughs> yeah. This dude. Life's so boring. <laughs> he <laughs> he bought a blanket <laughs> three years ago. He's still talking about the blanket. <laughs> but it's also this weird couple. Like the amount of details of like this is what's everything's bad about his life just from the outside. Like he stoops over. Like he yeah. has to have people pick up chocolate. Like he's able to list off these bad things, small bad things. It's not even like oh he just seems on it. It's like very specifically can't pick up chalk. Always stooping. Yeah. But then he's able to go, but he does have this one small thing of, like, he took a lot of joy out of this blanket. Yeah, this guy's got a blanket. Um, what's interesting to me about this conversation with the teacher is, like, we got to remember, like, this is just, he is a figure of authority. He is he is representative of authority from the beginning. He's, he's part of the school. We already talked about, this, talked about the school, so it's going to be just, you know, like, this is how Holden relates to authority. Uh, chapter two. Boom. Yeah. So he walks in. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the way he describes the room, oh. right? There's pills and medicine all over the place. Everything smells like Vicks nose drops. Depressing. I'm not too crazy about sick people anyway. Um, yeah, this is just so... <laughs> okay, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what made it even more depressing, old Spencer had on this very sad, ratty old bathrobe that he was probably born in or something. I don't much like to see <laughs> old guys in their pajamas and bathrooms anyway. Their bumpy old chests are always showing, and their legs... Old guy's legs at beaches and places always look so white and unhairy. Yeah. So he has such a sense of everything that bothers him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the detail, the, the close-up, HD, bumpy chest. Bumpy chest, white and unhairy legs, yeah. old guys at the beach. That's like a Seinfeld-level observation. Exactly. Of like, what's the deal with old guy's legs always so white and unhairy at the beach? Yeah. I do like this is like a like like a style of Holden's narration that I I really enjoy is the uh, he takes something specific and acts like it's the most general thing in the world like they're always 
their bumpy old chests are always showing, and their legs, old guys' legs at beaches and places, always look so white and unhairy. It's like, how often are you, are you seeing this? I mean, like, where yeah. you have to be like, you know, they always, they are always like that. I think later he like, describes like kids in the playground, like you know, you know, kids are always doing this and that, and, and it's like very specific stuff. Yeah, but he's acting as if it's like something that's bothered him for years. Yeah, he has such a long list of like. Very specific things. He, like he he doesn't approach anything delicately. He's like, I'm gonna look at every single detail, mainly to figure out what he hates about it. But, yeah. <laughs> but he does have an eye for detail that almost no other character, or at least he cannot recognize in any other. I character. think right. I mean, like maybe and it becomes too much. Like all like like it's be, like all this information is too much for him. Like he's he, overwhelmed by these details. Yeah, he could put a long list of the things that are wrong with the world. Yeah. He occasionally mm. has an eye for like, oh, I had a nice moment playing football with my friends. I like that this old guy got a blanket and got a lot of joy out of it, but then he had a bumpy old chest yeah. and his bad legs. And is he an overthinker? Like, like we oh, should. I mean, like, yeah. this, I mean, this, this book's a character study, you know, in a way, right? So, like, mm-hmm. we need to start talking about Holden as a character, like, and how much do you? Like, how many friends do we have that are like that too? Where it's like, listen, your brain is just running at too high of a level. Like, you're noticing like every. Like stop thinking about all the ways in which your girlfriend is, you know, yeah. like <laughs> not right, or not right, right. Like you're, you got to turn that down a notch. Like you're noticing too much. Yeah, for sure. He's anxious. Very anxious. Very obsessive. Like going through grief and a spiritual crisis. Um. So let's see here. Let's he's, see. Yeah. So he's he's sitting down with uh, Spencer. Um, and okay. especially the, the conversation is, is you failed, you failed so many things. Why did you fail? He's, he wants to, he's going to be like rebuked. Mm-hmm. Just a small thing I want to point out is, uh, Spencer goes, have a seat there, boys. Old Spencer said, uh, he meant the bed. I sat down on it. So when there's just no crisis, the bed is just described as a bed. There's no context to it. There's no reason to believe it's, uh, wow, it's- you're right. right. And then it, um, only I just got back from New York with a, with a fencing team. I said, boy, his bed was like a rock. So now that he's yeah. talking about the fencing team, a huge failure that he feels terrible about. Emotionally uncomfortable. Now he's physically The bed is all of a sudden like a rock. Yeah. He's, and then, so he gets a lecture. He knew he was going to come on. But this is really funny where it's like, he described the seizure. He started going into this nodding routine. You never saw anybody nod as much in your life as old Spencer did. <laughs> you never knew if he was nodding a lot because he was thinking and all, or just because he was a nice old guy that didn't know his ass from his elbow. <laughs> <laughs> like, is he nice or is he crazy? Is he just yeah. a dumb guy? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool, right? Like, remember that? Remember that time when you first thought you're like, you're like, are my parents actually not smart? You know what I mean? Like, are my parents? <laughs> oh, are they human? Fallible? <laughs> Oof. Ugh. This is the moment. This yeah, is this the is moment. the teacher. He's like, he has such an eye on the fallibility of every authority thing. Yeah, this is Holden. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So, so he had a meet. He's describing a meeting he had with um, the headmaster about being kicked out. Yeah. And the headmaster told him about life being a game and all, and how you should play it according to the rules. So here's a game thing again coming up. Spencer agrees. Life is a game. Yeah, life is a game, boy. Life is a game that one plays according to the rules. This is authority telling him this. Yep. And Holden lies and goes, yes, sir, I know it is. I know it. And then right after in his head, he goes, game my ass. Some game, if you get on the side where all the hot shots are, then it's a game, all right. I'll admit that. But if you get on that other side where there aren't any hot shots, then what's the game about it? Nothing. No game. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, like, I love that point that he's making, but also I love the uh, narrative style of, like, we're seeing – what Holden says, and then we're and then we're seeing what Holden is thinking. Yeah, 
It's such, and it's always so common because he knows how to play the game to yes. fit in. He's like, all right, I have to do the dance with authority, but I see it as so so artificial that I cannot respect it. And I had totally forgotten that that like that like not he's not like a bumbling idiot of a teenager. He's like a kind of an effective teenager in terms of, of a person in the world. He's getting he's 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 maneuvering through the world. Yeah, he has four Fs, and this teacher still feels like bad and cares for him like I mean, there is some sort kid. of charm to him that yeah that teachers are like there's something in this kid that's important and i i feel like i failed this kid yeah well the system failed this kid the system is broken education is crazy uh so yeah but there's the game thing again it's the authority figures see it all as a game yes and then holden is like no it, it, you're not a cool guy like this isn't a game this sucks this right is <laughs> right and they and they they do get to talking about that um. Yeah. I like the Holden says he acts like he's about thirteen. Yeah. This is a good passage about. Yeah. I have a lousy vocabulary probably because I act quite young for my age. Sometimes I was sixteen then and I'm seventeen now. Good thing to keep in mind. And sometimes I act like I'm about thirteen. It's really ironical <laughs> because I'm six foot two and a half and I have gray hair. I really do. So this is such a weird looking teenager. <laughs> yeah. Six foot two, head of gray hair, but also acts like a twelve year old. Yeah. And yet I still act sometimes like I was only about 12. Everybody says that, especially my father. It's partly true, too, but it isn't all true. And this is a big part of the whole book, of things being partly true. People always think something's all true. I don't give a damn, except that I get bored sometimes when people tell me to act my age. Sometimes I act a lot older than I am. I really do, but people never notice it. People never notice anything, which is a huge conflict between him, who notices everything. everything. So many details, yeah. But it's also what's interesting is he says, I don't give a damn, but he clearly does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so yeah, we're like it's like almost three levels. You see that you see what's happening in reality, you see how Holden perceives it, and then you see how actually it's just And two then levels. you can also <laughs> just see like where Holden is also lying to us. Yes, yeah. You can see him lying to people in the story. Yeah. You see him telling his side of the story, and but you also see him lying to us. So yeah. Like, I don't give a damn about this stuff, but it's like, like you totally you, do. You do. And then he notices old Spencer picking his nose, which is already like, here's our first teacher, and he's got a bumpy chest. He's picking his nose. Yeah. He sees through He sees through the authority figure. I mean, if this is from a point of view of a kid who is like a quote-unquote good high school kid, it'd be like, and Spencer told me some very valuable information about blah, 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 blah. And he would just say like, and he sat there. He looked kind of grandfatherly. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be yeah. this nitpicky. <laughs> like how gross this teacher is yeah. and gross and dumb. He calls him, basically says he's a moron. More like nose picky. Yeah. Uh, and then, but here it comes again. Like, I guess he thought it was all right to do because he's p- talking about picking his nose because it was only me that was in the room. I didn't care, except that it's pretty disgusting to watch somebody pick their nose. Yeah. So there's another time where it's like, I don't actually care about this. I'm just telling you. Like, I don't give a damn. I don't care. Like, he's I don't care, but I'm getting, yeah. But it's only him in the room. So even Holden understands, like, that his station as a student is allowing Spencer to not care about picking his nose in front of him because Holden has no power. Mm-hmm. Spencer wouldn't pick his nose in front of like the headmaster or his parents. You know? Yeah. Um, so then they talk about meeting their parents. He picks a small thing with the word grand. There's a word I really hate. It's a phony. I can puke every time I hear it. So he even has like vocabulary he hates. Um, then we watch Spencer miss the bed with like throwing a magazine. Feeble. Yeah. All right, then he goes, what's the matter with you, boy? Which is a hard question right up top from yeah. a teacher. <laughs> yeah, 
this is old school education. What's the matter? What's what's wrong with you? You don't fit in. What's going on? But you do kind of get the sense that Spencer feels a little bit bad, right? Yeah. It's kind of no, nice. Sense, it, there is a genuine care for this Yeah, guy. It's like, you clearly, I mean, I mean, they hang out together. They have hot chocolate sometimes. So it's yeah. like, oh, he clearly is a bright young man. Yeah. He just doesn't fit into academia, or especially this prep school style academia. Yeah. Um, so he passes English because he's good at expressing himself. And he uh, read the books. He read the books before. His last school, yeah. Um, he flunked you in history because he knew absolutely nothing. Says I like the uh, absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. He said over again. That's something that drives me crazy. When people say something twice that way after you admit it the first time, then he said it three times, but absolutely nothing. I doubt it very much if you opened your textbook even once the whole term. Did you? Tell the truth, boy. So, like, Holden's like, yeah, you got me, okay? Why do you keep yeah. coming down on me so hard? Which is such a I'm teenage feeling. I'm already kicked feeling. out of school. Like, yeah, leave me alone. I'm already down. Why do you keep kicking me? And I love that. Like, he understands what's happening. But he goes, well, I sort of glanced through it a couple times. And that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. I told him I didn't want to hurt his feelings. He was mad about history. <laughs> I love the, okay, right. He's mad about history. Yeah. He's uh, told to tell the truth, but even he knows, like, I can't tell the actual truth. Yeah, right. He doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then he pulls out <laughs> Holden's exam paper. Yeah, this is. He started handling my exam paper like it was a turd or something. <laughs> <laughs> You chose to write about Egyptians for your optional essay question. Would you care to hear what you had to say? No, sir. Not very much, I said. He read it anyway, though. You can't stop a teacher when they want to do something. They just do it. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, like, teachers are a pain in the ass. Love but it. Yeah, so the Egyptians were an ancient race of Caucasians. Not, I don't think that's true. Residing in one of the northern sections of Africa. The latter, as we all know, is the largest continent in the Eastern Hemisphere. One, this is a great parody of like high school kids' essays. <laughs> yeah, as we all know, yeah, the pad, yeah, padding with words and phrases, like using a phrase where a word would do, and, and just like, saying a fact, but with a bunch of clauses, so exactly. it sounds more impressive. And to fill the fill the paper, I had to sit there and listen to that crap. He's saying about his own paper. It certainly was yeah. a dirty trick. The Egyptians are extremely interesting to us today for various reasons. Modern science would still like to know what the secret ingredients were that the Egyptians used when they wrapped up dead people so that their faces would not rot for innumerable centuries. This is an interesting riddle. It's still quite a challenge to modern science in the 20th century. Uh, See, so stop reading and put my paper down. I was being wait, wait, what did you have? Didn't you have what, did, what did you have about the... Uh, yeah, so this is an understanding that you've probably already read the book, but um, his younger brother dies. And so... Spoiler alert. Yeah, his younger brother had died in the past, which, like, set off this spiritual crisis. But he it learns about Egypt for a month, and the only thing he remembers from all of this is their ability to preserve the dead. To not die. To, yeah. to not let a body yeah. rot. Right. And so it's clearly, like, the only thing that's interesting to him is how he can keep the memory of his little brother alive. And now he's just, like, really embarrassed because now he writes a note to his teacher. On the back of that essay. <laughs> he goes, Dear Mr. Spencer, that is all I know about the Egyptians. <laughs> I can't seem to get very interested in them, although your lectures are very interesting. <laughs> uh, it is all right with me if you flunk me, though, as I am flunking everything else except English anyway. Respectfully yours, Holden Culp. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a... 
we love the contradiction of I can't seem to get very interested in them, although your lectures are very interesting. That is so funny. The, the like, yeah, he still so has to play the dancers. Like, it's not for me, even though you're great. It's not you. But it's like obviously that's such a such a hypocrisy. Like that I'm not interested interested in them, although you're very interesting. It's like the only indication of being interesting is having people become interested. You know, like yeah. so. Obvi- I mean, it's an obvious. Uh, yeah, but he's also so careful to never hurt this guy's feelings. Because I think I think that he respects the humanity of Spencer, but he doesn't respect the authority of Spencer, right? So he yeah. sees all the humanity, but the authority is all artifice, you know. Yeah. So and he Spencer has nothing can't for handle yeah that. sympathy because he's like, this is an old man. I don't know why he's still alive. I feel really bad for him. Right. He doesn't hate Spencer. No, he hates the authority he has. Yeah. Uh, and now, and the rest of it is Spencer feeling really bad about like, do you blame me for flunking you, boy? And he, and Holden has to ba- basically be like, it's okay to flunk me. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing where it's like when a, a, a girl feels bad for dumping you, you have to be like, no, it's okay. No, I it's okay. Like, if you don't want to, yeah. We're, if we want, yeah. It's, it's such cool. a weird position for a student to have to tell a teacher it's okay to, that he failed him. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, let's see. So like you're right. And yeah, Spencer's like, what would you have done in my place? Um, you could see he felt pretty lousy about flunking me. So I shot the bull for a while. I told him I was a real moron and all that stuff. I told <laughs> him how I would have done exactly the same thing if I'd been in his place and how most people didn't appreciate how tough it is being a teacher. That kind of stuff. The old bull. So we don't even – I like that we don't even – get a quote of what holden is saying it's like you just get holden's it's almost like you hearing like wah 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 and you're yeah. like so i was telling him all this blah 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 bs about about how teachers are so like he's it's, it's so artificial given to other teachers before yeah like. it's so artificial that you can just skip over it and then the, this is kind of revealing of character too the next paragraph says the funny thing is though i was sort of thinking of something else while i shot the bull i live in new york and i was thinking about the lagoon so he starts thinking about the ducks yeah in Central Park. Down near Central Park South, I was wondering if it would be frozen over when I got home. And if it was, where did the ducks go? I was wondering where the ducks went when the lagoon got all icy and frozen over. Um, so I do like that he uh, that he's just not even in it. It's so, it's so phony mm. that he uh, is thinking about something else. And what's important is I think that what I when I think about this novel, I think about, you know, I think the idea is a punk kid pointing out phonies. Like, you're a phony, you're a phony, you're a phony. I'm real. But here... Already, chapter two, we have Holden saying, and then I became a phony for a while, and mm. I, I, um, I lied, and I just played the game, shot so that the I could old get bull. out of the room. Right, so there is a place and time for it. So I think it's like there's a, it's a more complex, nuanced, uh, relationship with artifice that we need to, we need to be tracking, right? Because like mm. that's the whole thing with if you if. I was reading this in a coffee shop and I was so worried someone's just gonna come up to me and start talking about it or like <laughs> or like thinking or like thinking of me a certain way yeah. because of like the phony thing. And it's like, well yeah, it's a novel and, and and you can reduce it down to like it's a kid who hates phonies, blah blah blah. But it's like, you know, here we already have in chapter two a like a more complicated relationship with that concept. Yeah. It's uh, I, in great detail goes through all the artifice we have to manufacture in order to navigate yeah. modern life of the authority figures and how we have to dance with them. Uh, like later it's women and how we like our partners and how we have to dance with them. Right. Pe- like sisters and like n- never is it he able to just say what he actually means. Yeah. And he's not even anti, he's not anti phony necessarily. Cause like there's a time and a place. Like it's like, he's like, I know Spencer had to, had to fail me because he had to give me this speech. That's the, what you do as a teacher. Yeah, the phoniness is more a pointing towards, like, a cruelty. Like, he notices subtle ways that, especially the upper class, is cruel. And that and that's what phony means more than, like, oh, he wasn't being honest with me. Where, like, later you get, like, I mean, it, 
the next paragraph is all about his last school. Uh, but also, I just want to point out about the Ducks is the Ducks come up a lot because he asks all these cab drivers. It's very important. Yeah, this, this is uh, pre-Uber, too. I can't imagine. Like, can you imagine being in an Uber or driving <laughs> an Uber and this kid in the back is like, where do you think Ducks go? I was <laughs> like, I don't know. Google it. Like, <laughs> um, But I've the ba- my basic understanding of the Ducks thing is that he's asking – where do I go now that my home is essentially frozen over? Like, my home is now unlivable. Where do I go? Okay. I like this take. I have not, you did not share this with me in the pre, in the pre-show meeting. And I uh, said, <laughs> so this is my genuine reaction to this take. We'll, we'll try. I mean, the ducks are very important. It doesn't, didn't the, didn't the guy who killed Lennon say like, where the ducks go a bunch or something like that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, I forget. I mean, like the, where, where the ducks go is very, very, very important. Um, and so it must be significant. And so, yeah, they no longer have a home. Where do they go? How Where do they do survive? They How do they survive? Can you survive without a home, or do you have to make a new home? Or is there, what do you do? Does someone help? Does a guy come in a truck? <laughs> in a truck and pick up <laughs> and these ducks? Take you to the zoo? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now he's like, "What's going to happen to me?" Because he, it feels like he's running. He's seventeen. He's just failed out of another high school. Doesn't seem to have any interest in society. And his family is now running out of patience with him, and he's like, "Well, what do I do now?" <laughs> yeah, I buy that wholesale. That's a I buy that take wholesale. I'll take I'll take one take, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so Elkton Hill. So he talks about his last school at Elkton Hills, and that's what I'm talking about the the subtle cruelty of the upper class. Uh, it wasn't uh, one of the biggest reasons I left Elkton Hills was because I was surrounded by phonies. That's all. They were coming in the goddamn window. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're they're under siege. Yeah, I love it. So, for instance, they had this headmaster, Mister Haas, that was the phoniest bastard I ever met in my life. Ten times worse than old Thurmer. On Sundays, for instance, old Haas went around shaking hands with everybody's parents when they drove up to school. He'd be charming as hell and all, except if some boy had little old funny-looking parents. You should have seen the way he did with my roommate's parents. I mean, if a boy's mother was sort of fat or corny-looking or something, and if some but his father was one of those guys that wore those suits with very big shoulders and corny <laughs> black and white shoes. Then old hats would just shake hands with them and give them a phony smile, and then he'd go talk for maybe a half an hour with somebody else's parents. I can't stand that stuff. It drives me crazy. It makes me so depressed. I go crazy. Oh. I hated that goddamn Elkton Hills. Oh, God. So the biggest phony wasn't necessarily a guy lying. It was a guy pretending to be kind to everyone, but if you noticed... So certain things it's like oh he's actually a mean guy right right like yeah Ugh. at no point was like did the a guy go like hey you poor people i hate you but he was dished out his kindness and attention very unevenly yeah and that's something that only holden would notice of like you ever noticed that he only shakes hands with the parents he doesn't like and yes. he talks forever with the attractive parents and this is something that dep- uh, it, it hurts it's it, it depresses it depresses him it hit, like it like He's seen it's too much. The, detail, yeah. the details are too much. They're overwhelming. Yes, it hurts his heart to watch parent people he does not know. He doesn't even like any of his yeah. roommates. He didn't like his roommates' parents. But to watch them be treated less than respectfully because of how they look, oh. like, drove him up a wall. Yeah. And in a way that's like they couldn't even complain. They couldn't be like, hey, wait a minute. That guy was only friendly for, to – me for a minute and he talked to everyone else for half it like, like yeah, the parents not even the right minute mind would say any of that yeah but only this teenager who like had a sense that this headmaster was actually an asshole was able to be like watch him do this to these people right right he's getting a sense of it Ugh. so yeah phony is not necessarily like lying because he lies all the time and yeah. he had he plays the game it's just when 
it's cruelty disguised as manners is when he calls phoniness. Uh, so yeah, and then the the rest of it is just the professor being like, "What are you gonna do? <laughs> like, do you feel absolutely no concern for your future?" And it's like, "Oh, I feel some concern for my future. All right, sure, sure, I do. I thought about it for a minute, but not too much, I guess. Not too much, I guess." <laughs> and then he, and then the teacher goes, "You will." Old Spencer said, "You will, will boy. boy. You will when it's too late." And I didn't like hearing him say that. It made me sound dead or something. It was very depressing. <laughs> I guess I will. I said. And then. He has to get out of there. Uh, The teacher says something very earnest and very sad. He goes, I'd like to put some sense in the head of yours, boy. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Like it's italicized. I'm trying to help you if I can. Yeah. So this is a teacher that does genuinely care for him. And he recognizes that. Um, And look, he said he he really was, too. You could see that. But it was just that we were too much on opposite sides of the pole. What pole? The winners and losers of the game. Spencer's a winner. Spencer's a winner. I mean, he's uh, of like he is old and sad, but he played the game. He became a teacher. He picked a career. He plays by the rules. Yep. They they they, they the, this, the 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 game was discussed earlier when it's like, well, yeah, it's easy to say it's a game when you're winning the game. That's on the side easy. with all the hot shots. Hot and shots. And he works for a very fancy prep school. Yeah, but also it's like clearly, um, but he's clearly also Spencer. Poor. Like it hasn't worked out that well for him. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right, he mentions they don't have a lot of dough. They don't have a housekeeper. Yeah, they sleep in separate beds. He's they answer the door themselves sick. for yeah. God's sakes. They answer the door themselves. So someone who believed in the game lost essentially, but believes he's still like the game is valuable. So it's not when then you're saying it's not winners and losers. It's it's people who buy in and people who just quit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, buy into the game or deny that the game's even real. Right, and how about this? Uh, uh, Holden Holden was supposed to go to a game, and then he ended up uh, like forfeiting the game by just not playing. You know, Yeah, didn't he, even bring the right stuff to yeah. play in the game, and then he didn't even go to his school's football game. Right. <laughs> so he stays away from games, <laughs> except for checkers later. <laughs> Plays checkers, but there's a lot of, yeah, that's crazy how many, the game, yeah, the game thing has been in- interesting to track. And then, boy, I couldn't have sat there another 10 minutes to save my life. And so now he starts lying about having to leave. So there's another lie. He has no problem lying to people to get what he wants. Yep, yep, he lies. He's a good liar. That's the, that's the opening of chapter three. He's like, I'm actually a very good liar. And then he says, I felt sorry as hell for him all of a sudden. But I just couldn't hang around there any longer. The way we were on opposite sides of the pole and the way he kept missing the bed whenever he chucked something at it and his sad old bathrobe with his chest showing and the grippy smell of Vic's nose drops all over the place. So like right away, he's like, I, I don't want to be here. For these very specific reasons, <laughs> he keeps missing the bed when he throws magazines. His it smells like Vicks vapor rub. Yeah. Uh, look, sir, don't worry about me. I said, I mean it. I'll be all right. I'm just going through a phase right now. Everybody goes through phases and all, don't they? <laughs> and, I love it. And then the teacher goes, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. know. So he's even further isolated. But like, I don't know what you're even talking about. Yeah, he's Holden is trying to pull a card that he's heard a hundred times. He's trying to buy into the teenagers are silly. He's like, look, I don't like, maybe I'm just going through a phase. Like, just please, like, let me give you something yeah. fake that you can feel better about. Right. So, he know, yeah. So, Holden's saying this is phony. But, like, the idea, that's interesting. Like, he's self-aware about a phase is very interesting. Yeah. And then. He gets out of there. Goodbye, boy. Shut the door. He heard him say good luck. Yeah, and that's what I really like. Is he, he closes moments so poignantly. Because he goes, after I shut the door and started back to the living room, he yelled something at me, but I couldn't exactly hear him. I'm pretty sure he yelled good luck at me. I hope not. I hope to hell not. 
I never yell good luck at anybody. It sounds terrible when you think about it. So even like this small ubiquitous moment of just like, hey, good luck for the rest of your life. He's like, that's the worst thing you could say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sensitive. Why is that so bad? I think it's like, look, I wish the best for you, but I like you're you're going to need luck to figure out like what the rest of your life. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's also it's just like a cheap slogan that doesn't actually mean anything. So like this last moment with him is just some like meaningless kind of kind of kind of sending sentence thrown at him. And you yeah, I think you're washing your hands of responsibility too. It's like, yeah, good luck with that. And it's like it's like all you're wishing them is luck, which is just, you know, the random yeah. force. I can't of the help universe. you anymore, so good luck. Sorry. Yeah. But no, that's the that's how the book opens with him having a, a weird meeting with his professor detailing his failures as a student his emotional problems a conflict with authority in which he criticizes him thoroughly and doesn't and lies to authority and yeah plays the game so well with authority is able to enact he even brings up even the teacher stops buying in on the like the weird dance where he's like i'm going through a face and the teacher's like i don't know if you're going through a face like yeah even the, the script know, that they both have like that even the teacher stops buying into it he's like look let me be nice so i could get out of here without hurting anyone's feelings yeah I don't want to be here anymore. Your bed sucks. <laughs> you smell bad. <laughs> yeah, but he, yeah, like uh, interestingly, he is nice and he he plays the game. So yeah, what are we? What are we? What are we, where are we at with Holden right now? Right now, it just seems like he's like a a troubled kid who still feels the need to not hurt anyone's feelings at the expense of him being honest out loud. Yeah, he means well, um, but he wants to be honest. He's and figuring he, it out, and he just can't buy into the values that have been set upon him. Where it's like, hey, play the game by the rules. Yep. You're at all these successful prep schools. Just put your head down. Do what we tell you. You'll get to this place. Yeah. And everywhere along the way, all he sees is cruelty and, and problems. Yeah. He's gonna begin. He's beginning to question all that. He's literally leaving the establishment. You know, he's leaving what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. He gets kicked else. out of school. Yeah. Uh, His pond is frozen over, and it's time to find somewhere else to go. Yes. Where where do the ducks go? Where do the ducks go? That's beautiful, Kev. I'm psyched about that. Yeah, that's uh Who told me that? Did you steal oh, it? That, you saw that? Yeah, from that that girl that got the tattoo. <sighs> oh, man. All right, we'll see you for chapter 3, everybody. I can't wait. And chapter 3 and 4. Chapter 3 and 4. All right. Thank you so much. Peace. Uh,